Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab Podcast. So good to have you here with us today. We really do appreciate you joining us. Hey, if you haven't already, you want to make sure you check out our new book, The Successful Speaker, Five Steps for Booking Gigs, Getting Paid, and Building Your Platform. The book has been out for a couple of months. We've got some great feedback from people. If you've already read the book or listened to the book on Audible or read the uh, the Kindle version or the, the digital version, uh, we would love for you to leave us a rating and review on Amazon or wherever you read your books. Uh, we really do appreciate it. It really does mean a lot. Tell a friend, someone who's looking for help with speaking, tell them, listen, you can you can listen to all the podcast episodes. You can get all of our stuff or just go get the book. Just get the book. It's like 15 bucks, 20 bucks, something like that. Go pick up the successful speaker, five steps for booking gigs, getting paid and building your platform. All right, let's jump into today's conversation. Today, we're talking with my buddy, John Acuff. John is a, a great speaker. He's been in the business for a long time. He's actually, and I've said this on other podcasts before, he is he's one of the best speakers that I have seen live. He really takes the craft of speaking seriously. And so in the in the, the thick of what we're dealing with right now in this current corona, COVID pandemic world, uh, we talked through how John's kind of made some pivots, what that looks like, and how he's kind of been thinking about that. But also as he's leaned more into virtual, we talk about what that's looked like in his business. We talk about pricing for virtual, how he thinks about engaging and interacting with an audience. He uses a lot of humor, so we talk about that. He's also been leaning more into YouTube as kind of a way to practice what virtual speaking is like. We also talk about the long-term impl implications of, of, uh, of virtual speaking and how this is going to look in his business. We also tease a new book that he's going to be having uh, coming out soon. So uh, just a really fun conversation with John. Uh, I will tell you, in the first couple of minutes, about uh, three, four minutes into the conversation, we have some really garbled audio. I don't know exactly what happened there uh, for 20, 30 seconds or so. Ride it out. We did our best to clean it up, but hang with us and then it's fine the rest of the way. So uh, that's the a couple minutes into it that gets a little garbly, but I don't know. The joys of technology, right? Roll with it. It'll be fine. Uh, all right, let's jump into it. Here's a conversation with John Acuff. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Today, joined by my buddy John Acuff, and John's been on the show before. Very successful speaker, an author, entrepreneur, all around. Great guy, mediocre ping pong player. We will not get into that. It's been a minute since we've played, though, so I don't know where you're I don't even have a table anymore. I don't have what? a table anymore. Yeah, I just couldn't, I didn't have space for it. We don't, we're not all super successful Grant Baldwins. Like there's limited space in this house. No, I, have a, the, I have a humble little place I live in. It's just enough for me and my family and, and our tropical bird. Yeah, it's a cottage more than anything. It's kind of a Thomas Kincaid thatch roof. It's nice. Nice. Here's the deal though. I don't, I don't, it's been a minute since I, I haven't owned a, t a table since moving to Tennessee. The table that I have practiced on is a neighbor's. So I, I got to go to a neighbor's house just to get yeah. reps in and then come uh, you, to your garage. Like, 
it's like owning knowing somebody who owns a boat like you want to have a friend who owns a boat you don't necessarily want to have your own boat this is true so like it would be great if if jeff would also get a boat that'd be helpful for everybody we uh at the time of this recording our family leaves uh i don't know if i told you this our family leaves tomorrow on an rv trip and so we rented an rv and same type of thing like i don't want to own an rv but i'm no. happy to rent one i'll take yeah. it out for and a bit we'll give it back we're done with it yeah Amen. Amen. All right. So aside from uh, boats and ping pong tables and RVs, uh, obviously the last several months here in the speaking world had been uh, pretty interesting and bizarre, I guess. Uh, I know we've texted a little bit about it. I know initially when it was happening, um, uh, it didn't seem like there was a, it was, it was dramatically affecting a lot of your events. I, don't, I know we haven't talked in a minute. So I'm curious as the past couple months have unfolded, how have events been playing out for you? Are you having a lot of things canceled, postponed, rescheduled? What, what does that yeah. look like? I'm going to pull up a text I sent you because it just, it cracked me up. You and I talked kind of at the beginning, you know, there's been stages. Yeah, and totally. Like, uh, you and I talked at the beginning and uh, I said it was, uh, yeah, it was March. Yeah, that's where it was. It was like March uh, 15th. And I said, Grant, I think the first half of the year is going to be tough for a lot of people. Like that was the first half as if like come July, people would be like, all right, that's a wrap. We're back We're to good. normal. Like, oh, so adorable that I was like, I think the first half that, yeah, I think it's going to be our tough first half of the year. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I'm like anybody right now, I would say the majority of my events have moved to 2021, um, which makes sense. Like completely understand that. And then I've done a mix of virtual too. So yeah. I've had, and have some, I, I've had some new events that weren't on the calendar come up as virtual only. So it's been kind of a mix. Um, I've had some canceled, um, especially if they were right in the beginning. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I'll speak live again this year. Um, I think that there's a chance certain states are, are kind of working through things. And so I think we'll see like, you know, maybe I'll do an event in Dallas in November. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I think there's, there's that possibility, but a lot of them are virtual at this point, or they're in the fall of next year. The idea of, of, of you not speaking at something for the rest of the year is some of that by choice of saying, I don't know if it's even safe to get on a plane. I don't know if it is. They're they're not not happening. Like they're not, they don't exist. So, I mean, I think, but they're, they're starting to, I had somebody tell me the other day they had an event in Dallas. That's why I use that as an example. Like, that yeah. there's certain places that are starting to do it and they're getting really creative with it. And they're saying, okay, how do we space it out? What do we do? You know, do we give out masks and gloves or like, or like how do we keep it safe? And so I, so I, I, by no means like we'll overreact, overreact and go like, oh, I have prevent live event happening. And that's crazy. Like we've been doing this since soccer. Like that's not going away. It's still right. something that's valuable and helpful. I just think it's on pause right now. Right, right, right. So as this is beginning to uh, unfold, there's kind of a point where, again, going back to like March 15th and speakers are all kind of texting and talking amongst themselves like, hey, is this a big deal? Is this not a big deal? Like, ah, like, we'll just wire it out. It'll be okay. But at some point you kind of realize like, okay, this isn't going away. I got to start thinking through like, what does the new normal look like? How do I make some pivots and shifts in the business? And so as that has begun to happen, how have you been thinking about what does my, you know, what does what my 2.0 business look like going forward? Yeah, well, the, the best thing for me that's been so helpful is that I have a great bureau that I've worked with. So I work with Premier Speakers Bureau, which is in our town. So it's 10, 15 minutes from my house. And so one of my biggest pivots was I said to them, hey, you've got studio space. You've got a tech guy on staff. 
can I come do my virtual events from your space? And that gives clients such a reassurance that it's not going to be me with my terrible Wi-Fi at home and my kid running behind me during a call. Like, and if something happens in the middle of the event, I'm not the one also fixing it, yeah, you yeah. know? So like it, that's been amazing. And not everybody has that, but like that for me has been game changing because what I'll do is I'll go over there. It's just one person. So it's not like we're staying no. within the rules of meetings and all that. Um, he's got ring lights set up and big lights and, and like, I just filmed a 45 minute backup keynote just in case like full keynote. So that if something happens in the middle of something, I've got it. I can, I, I can launch that, you know, I can yep. play it. Everything's fine. So I think a big part of it for me has being able to say, okay, how do I partner with experts? How do I reassure clients? How do I, you know, and then learning. And then the other thing I've done is I've really gone into YouTube. I've really invested in learning how to do YouTube and practicing videos. So the other thing that's helped is being able to say, okay, in addition to virtual events where I'm talking to a camera and there's no feedback, yep. I'll practice YouTube. So I get even more comfortable. So I'm doing three YouTube videos a week where I'm sharing a four or five minute, pretty tight idea. And it's practice, it's practice, it's practice. So I'd say those have been like the two kind of best things that I've been able to figure out. So as you've been leaning into virtual gigs more, uh, prior to all of this, were you doing any virtual gigs? Cause it always has kind of seemed like virtual gigs have been around, but they're yeah. not like a real big part, a big staple of any speaker's repertoire, not something that they're consistently offering. It's not something that event planners or yeah. businesses or companies even took seriously or as a viable option. Now all of a sudden so many places don't have an alternative other than that. So it's causing people to lean into it. So prior to all this, were you doing anything virtual? Was virtual ever on your radar or is this just kind of forced your hand in some ways? I had done a handful. Um, I would, there were some organizations that would say, you know what we've um, you know, like I did one for um, Beachbody and the P90X team because they mm -hmm. have 20,000 coaches from around the country and they are like, how do we serve them? Like we can't do a 20,000 person event every quarter. Right. Um, so how do we serve them? So I, I had done a number of those, but not nearly as many as I'm doing now where companies are going, Wow. And, and what's fun, what's been really fun is I just did one for a French Canadian company um, out of Quebec the other day. And they said it was really helpful because it showed our executives in part that, wow, these are really valuable. We're going to do more of these. So I think what I'm seeing is like when a client does it and they go, wow, the response was good. We had a lot of interaction from people, like a lot of people showed up. Um, I think that's been one of the fun things. Even I, I had a friend the other day get married and he's in California. So I think they could only have four people there. So he did it on Facebook live and they had 800 people watch and wow. he didn't have the budget for 800 people to come to that wedding. And yeah. so I think we're all figuring out like, okay, this virtual thing, here's a benefit or here's something where it's helpful. So yeah, but I didn't do a ton of them before, but I'm definitely doing a lot more now. They were on my radar, but it wasn't, it wasn't something that I was actively pursuing or actively trying to lean into. Now, kind of like you alluded there, there's, there's obvious differences and pros and cons between in-person and live events and, and virtual. Uh, now that you're doing more and more virtual, there's some speakers I talk to that are just kind of like, eh, it's not the same. I'm just writing it out and just biding my time until live in-person stuff comes back. And others that are just like, this is amazing. Like I can, there's no speaker that can do 365 in-person gigs a year, nor is that healthy, but I can do, you know, uh, potentially, you know, two, three gigs a day uh, virtually and never leave my house and be home with my kids and be home with my wife or spouse and, and sleep in my own bed. And there's certainly upside. How are you kind of thinking about virtually now? Is this like, I'm buying my time until this comes back or like, no, this is going 
going to be a, this could be a, a big part of my business. I think it'll stay. I think it'll be another tool in my toolkit um, where yeah. I, you know, now that I've kind of figured out how to do it, I do see some of the benefits. Like, you know, the travel is eliminated. Like that's, yep. you know, that's, that's part of, that's part of every live event. Um, I think I'm in the middle. I, I love live events. I'll always love live events. I love being on stage. I love the interaction. Like we, we joked the other day, um, a client said, Hey, we, you know, we want you to like add this thing to your speech. And they're like, and if it does, if it falls flat, it's not a big deal. And I said, if it, it like, I won't know if it falls flat. Like I'm <laughs> assuming I'm killing this whole thing. I'm crushing for right. 45. Like I'm just going to assume it's working. Cause I have no idea. Yeah. And so like, that's not as fun as obviously as being on stage and there's, there's magic that happens and there's, there's something special face to face and there's relationship that happens backstage. There's relationship yep. that happens in the lobby. There's all these other things other than just the 45 minutes you're on stage or the 30 minutes. Um, but no, I think I'll, I think that for some clients as they continue to do these, I'll continue to offer it. So I don't feel like, I don't feel like I'm biding my time. I feel like, wow, how, you know, how can I add this to something I help people with? I mean, if you're a speaker or an author, you have to have a number of revenue streams because things are going to change outside of your control. Like I had no control over this global pandemic. Like I had no right. control over public speaking being put on pause, but fortunately I, I have consulting. Fortunately there's virtual for like, so I I'll, I'll add this to the mix. Um, so yeah, I don't feel like I'm biding my time because I don't like I'm finding more joy in it than just biding my time. Well, and to that end, what are you enjoying about virtual? Like, what does virtual allow you to do that you cannot do from from stage? Well, I like that. Um, depending on the audience and how they set it up, you get to answer questions and interact. Yeah. So, like, if it's a smaller audience, they you know they can they can ask a ton of questions where they might. We've all done Q and A's where it's like, hey, we're gonna do a thirty minute Q and A at the end of the speech, and you're like, it's gonna be three minutes long, but that's fine because like people, you know, people don't want to stand up in front of their friends or front yeah. of their coworkers and feel awkward. But online, they can go, hey, here's this thing I was thinking about. What do you, you know, how do you? And like I did one the other day. There were polls. We had three different polls during the middle of the speech which gave me information. So I could say, yeah. Hey, we're going to pull up a poll. We want to hear what you think. And you can do that live. It's just yeah. a little harder. It's, it's a tricky. little clunkier where this, like they pulled it up and I kind of riffed while they filled out the poll. And then I'd go, Oh wow. Like that's a, that's great for me to know. So I thought that was really interesting. And then it also allows you to do other clients that might not be able to afford your keynote. Like mm -hmm. there's, it opens you up to other clients because, because of the, the cost. So you can go, okay, like it might cost X amount for me to go to speak in Athens, Greece, but here's what a virtual is. So I think yeah. it, it widens your range of customers that you get to serve. So to that end, how are you thinking about pricing right now? Because I've, I've talked to some speakers who've said it's kind of the, uh, um, it's at the wild, wild west at the moment. Everyone's trying to figure it out what it looks like. Some have said like, hey, whether I'm standing on a stage or whether I'm presenting it here, the IP, the content is still the same. Uh, and so I should be charging. And some that are getting full fee uh, and some that are like, eh, historically I've charged, you know, 40, what, 50, what 60 you, percent of that. What would you say is the rate? Like the people that are getting the full fee, where are they in the price scale? They're on your scale. Really? They're your peers. I, I don't want to name names, but we can, yeah. we can talk okay. after. Yeah. I mean, I don't, that's awesome for them. I don't, that hasn't been my experience. I yeah. don't know any client that you go, 
No, nah, it's the same. I sit on a Zoom call. It's the same. Like, yeah. I, like every client I've talked to is like- Well, I, no, I was equally surprised. Like some of these people- yeah, uh, and, and if they are, awesome for them. Like, I hope, yeah. that's, I hope that's remotely true. I have my doubts. I have, I have my doubts. Um, so yeah, I just don't, I mean, no, I don't, I don't know how you don't do it at a discounted rate in the yeah. same way that like everything is discounted right now. Sure. It's not like this is a healthy economy and everyone's like, ah, everything's fine. We'll pay full rate. Like right. let's, let's pretend that's not happening. So no, I don't, I definitely think it's at a discounted rate. Um, I think you have some flexibility there and you can yeah. add stuff where I like too, is that you can say, Hey, what if we did a four week thing where I jumped, I jumped in every team meeting four times, like let, and you can get flexible, you can get more flexible that way. But yeah, I don't, my, my personal experience hasn't been it's full price. Um, I like, I'm not opposed to that. If somebody wants to pay me full price for it, totally. I just think that we're kind of in a discount space. Yeah. Um, and I think the further we go into this, the harder it's going to be to be like, nah, I know the, there's an economic crisis <laughs> and I'm not coming to your building and you, you might have to furlough 20,000 employees, but I, I want my full fee. Like, right. let me know how that goes. I, yeah. I want to take that sales course. If you could tell me that person's name so I could take their sales course, I would love to take that because that sounds amazing. And my guess is like, you know, that there, there are probably plenty of, uh, maybe not plenty, but there are situations and cases where speakers are getting full fee, but it's certainly the exception and not the norm uh, right now. So one of the things you kind and of- And I think if like lower fee too, like if you're, if you're a $5,000 speaker, then maybe they have a $5,000 digital event budget, but it yeah. depends on where you are in the, in the range. Yeah. So one of the things that you'd mentioned there is that uh, for you, it's been more than just, I show up, I do my dog and pony show, I collect my check and end of transaction virtually, but okay, how can I turn this into something else? And so that's something we've talked to speakers about. It's kind of like when you go to Chick-fil-A, you can buy just the sandwich, but if you also buy the drink and you also buy the fries, you can also yeah. kind of get this combo thing. So what are some other value adds that you're looking to that maybe I can't get my full keynote speaking fee, but I can increase the fee by adding some of these other components that maybe otherwise I wouldn't. Yeah. So I think it, it starts with, it's a, there's kind of a range. Like I've been popping into zoom meetings. Um, some of them just, just to establish a relationship with the client to say, yeah. Hey, like, let me pop in for 10 minutes and encourage you. And so like, I'll, I'll do that. And that like, I'll do that for free for some clients. If I feel like it's a long-term relationship I'm trying to serve. Um, and then you kind of work your way up through the scale and go, okay, there's a keynote, but there's also, like the keynote went really well. Do you have the type of team that needs a three week productivity boost? Like what mm -hmm. would that look like? How would we price that? So yeah, I think that's one of the big gifts of virtual is that it allows you to customize or expand in ways that like a live event, you can still do that with a live event. It's just a little more challenging um, because you know, there's travel involved and there's, right. there's details involved that maybe they're like, eh, but no, that, so yeah, I've done a couple of those where again, it starts like, Hey, I'm going to pop in because this big, you know, this big company was tweeting about one of my books. Okay. Well, let me pop in for five minutes and show them that I'm great on camera and can be helpful. And then that might turn into something and you kind of grow it from there. That's kind of how I've been looking at it. How do you feel like some of the, the relationship building that you're doing now and how you're interacting and showing up for clients or potential clients is going to have long-term positive impact for you? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just, you get to interact with them and say, Hey, I can't wait to see you guys in 2021. Yeah. Like, so there's things, I think there's things now as a speaker. Um, and I think you teach a lot of these things in a really, really sharp way where 
you're, you're always building that relationship so that you can speak maybe not today, but eventually. Mm-hmm. And so I'm kind of looking at it going, I can't like, there might not be any amount of hustle or positive attitude or sales techniques that will force anybody to have a live event in July. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't have that power. But what I do have is the ability to pour into a relationship knowing that there's going to be an event next spring. There's going to be an event next fall. How do I super serve people with generosity, with consistency, with quality, so that when they have a live event, I'm one of the people they think about. That's kind of how I look at it. So since so many events are being postponed, rescheduled, and moved to either end of this year or into 2021, it's good for 2021 when that gets here, but it also means that you're, in some ways, you're losing inventory that you could have, have potentially sure. sold to new clients. So um, are you kind of looking at it as like, it just is what it is. There's nothing you can do about it. But is that shifting anything for you in terms of how you're thinking about it? it is, I mean, there is an element of, I think there's a wise patience and acceptance of what it is. Like mm-hmm. not, a, not a all hope is lost, not a like poor me. Like I don't think that's yeah. helpful, but I think it is like there's some degree of realism that's helpful because it allows you to focus on the things that are in motion. So this is a great season to say, okay, well, I'm going to do more virtual. Like I'm going to do, you know, the challenge with our business is that as you know, better than anybody, it's booked often six months out or a year out. So when the spring gets kind of messed up, people aren't booking the fall right now. Like very few people are like, you know how there's like a pandemic and everything is on fire. Like what if we did an event where we brought a bunch of people together in October? Like no, very few people are having that conversation. Um, And so, but I also think it depends on the type of industry you're speaking into. So I think that if you're a Sunday morning church speaker, I think you might have an earlier opening than if you're a corporate speaker, you know? So when like a Facebook says, we're not doing live events until June of 2021, and they come out and say that, and other companies follow their lead, that's different than a church that goes, we're going to figure it out. And we, you know, we're a big church and we figured it out and here's, and so a Sunday morning person might go wow, that's already opened up or they're doing a, you know, a Wednesday night service at the church. So I think it just depends, but no, I've got, I kind of am in a place of like, I'm going to do as many virtual as I can. I'm going to find ways to serve, but I'm also going to build YouTube. Like I'm also going to invest in other things that every speaker has a part of their business that they haven't invested in. And this is a time to go, you know what? I'm going to create a brand new keynote. So when this is done, I have a great keynote that I've worked hard on because I wasn't traveling and here's, you know, here's what I was able to create during that time. So I think that's how you kind of have to look at it. What else is the goal with, with YouTube? I know that you mentioned that part of it is just to get some reps, just to get some at bats and see what resonates Mm -hmm. with people. But what, other than that, what's, what's the goal? Well, I just also, I learned, you know, for me, I think it was like six months ago. um, I stepped off stage at at an event, um, 1300 salespeople. And a woman said to me, I love following you online. I love following you on Instagram. She said, I didn't even know you wrote a book. And I was like, Oh, like, and so I went back through my feed and she was right. My feed had like, there was no, there I wasn't talking about the books enough or my speaking enough or all these things enough. And I realized, okay, I've got to change that. So I started to change my Instagram. I started to be more deliberate with that. Um, and it's the same with YouTube because what happens is we know that everybody who books us, one of the first things they do is they either go to YouTube, they go to Instagram, they go to Twitter, they go try to see who you really are. And if they go to those places and you're either not there or you're there and it doesn't have anything to do with what you're trying to do as a speaker, I think it, it eliminates your chances to get booked. And so YouTube is that same way with me. Like I want to have a bigger presence on YouTube knowing that will contribute 
to people booking me to speak, yeah. knowing that I want to build that up. And then eventually it's a revenue stream. Like, I don't think it'll be a massive one, but like, I keep telling people like, ask yourself what would have made this season easier and then go build that thing. So if you, you know, Grant, if you said to me, what would have made this season easier? And I said, if I was Jeff Rose and I had 200,000 subscribers on YouTube and I had a revenue stream, that would have made this season easier. I don't. So you can't get stuck beating yourself up and going, look what I don't have. But instead you can say a year from now, I'll be in a better position because I'll have 10,000 subscribers or whatever the, you know, whatever the number is. And for what it, for what it's worth, you and I are way better at ping pong than Jeff Rose is. But that's a, well, that, that's a side conversation. That much like my current YouTube channel won't earn me any money. Um, <laughs> so that there's no revenue coming in from that. Hey, we both have, we visited the, the ping pong coach and he's, and maybe he's still generating revenue right now. Yeah, yeah we, uh, I remember when we played that night, I wore jeans. Like Grant and I went to a like open league night kind of thing. And everybody was in like short shorts and like aerodynamic shirts for ping pong. Well, what, I think, the, well, the red flag for me was when we were walking in and there was a guy with a duffel bag and a headband. We're like, man, we, we bit off more than we can dude, chew I here. I had jeans on. Like I was so sweaty. Like we, I mean, it just felt like we were definitely outsiders in that very insider conversation. There was, was a, a fight hilarious. club and we, we shouldn't be talking about it, but exactly. Uh, Okay. Have you, have you tweaked any of your content? Cause I know some speakers have said like, Hey, my content is relevant regardless of what's going on. And some that have said, Hey, suddenly there's a bunch of companies that are requiring everyone to work from home. And so let's talk about working from home or productivity or how to use zoom or technology. Are you pivoting in any way that way with content? Oh, yeah. Or? yeah. I create a, well, part of it was a bunch of people started to post about this book I wrote called do over. Um, and about handling transition. I was like, Oh, that's right. I wrote a book about handling transition. We're all (laughs) in one. So I went back through that and created a, um, a keynote called pivot. Don't panic about how do you handle transition? Because I had spent all this time researching these four types of transitions that companies and individuals go through. So yeah, I, I took what was a foundational piece. So this kind of framework for transition and then said, okay, knowing where we currently are, how do I help people with that? And so, you know, and, and also like change some of the jokes, added new material. Like, I think you have to, because it almost, it comes off as very tone deaf if you're not careful. Yeah. Um, and it's in, even in little ways where you're like, I used to have this bit about how most Americans, like 72% of Americans hate their jobs. That doesn't make sense right now because 20 million are unemployed or whatever the number yeah, is. So like yeah. that, that makes less sense in this current season. There's a lot of people be like, I'd just be happy to have a job. Yeah. And so you have to add, like, but yeah, I think it depends on the content, I guess. If you're, if your speech is about overcoming adversity, like dude, perfect. Like if you're, you know, if you're Serena Williams and it's about how to be a champion, I think this is a great, she probably might not have to edit anything on that. I yeah. think other people, it's smart to kind of tweak it. Uh, I want to talk about presenting virtually because like you've kind of alluded to you, you use a lot of humor with an audience and humor is so much based on reading the room and okay, I told this joke. If that killed, I can't wait for 10 minutes from now and I'm going to tell this story and I'm going to even, I'm going to go further with that story because I know they're just going to eat it up. And like now you tell a joke, you deliver a punchline and you get nothing. So how are you kind of adapting to just delivering, especially using humor when like I I can't hear anything and I have no idea if it's killing or not. Yeah. I mean, you just have to bring it. Like you have to be the one it's an audience of one essentially. And, Mm -hmm. and so you have to be willing to say the thing and lean into the thing and even pause, you know, like that's the hard part is 
is the timing of it because it's, I find it's, you can start talking really, really quickly on a zoom virtual call presentation if you're not careful. So like figuring out the timing of it. Um, and that, again, that's the other thing that for me, YouTube helps with that practicing. Cause like, I'm trying to be funny on those too. I'll never have a reaction on YouTube other than later somebody leaving a comment. Yep. So I have to go, okay, well, what is this, you know, what does this look like? How, you know, I know it's, if it was funny live, I know it's funny virtually somehow. Yep. Um, it's the, the other, the bigger challenge is like, if, if you and I were comedians, I think it'd be even harder yeah. because if you're and some comedy clubs are opening up and they're doing 50% capacity and stuff, but like half of how you do a joke is you work on it over and over and over and over again in front of live audiences and you figure out and you tinker and you yep. see which, which gets the biggest laugh. And like, I just don't think you can do that online. Like you can't do that without feedback. Um, yep. So yeah, it is challenging, but I think, I think you just have to be the one that's super excited about it, super into it because it's kind of like, I always tell people, if you're not here, nobody else will get here. Like you can't, yeah. like if you, if you're not at a 10, you can't expect people to get to an eight. Like they can't be the one that's at a 10 and you're at an eight. Um, you have to be the one that's like, okay. And to your ability, like, but you still have to be authentic. Like I, there are some speakers that are run through the crowd, scream, like stand on chairs. If that's authentic, authentic, awesome. I'm not that way. So I, I could see, I could see that being to my benefit in that, I, you know, my personality is, it's definitely something I, I, I use in my speeches, but I'm not running around the room. I'm not doing like, I wasn't, I pay, I go back and forth on the stage and walk a lot, but I didn't lose access to a lot of the physical parts of my speech because that's not how I speak. And right. So that was actually a benefit to me. Uh, from a, a, an engagement standpoint, you mentioned uh, doing polls, uh, having Q and A, uh, chat is obvious one. Uh, how are you kind of anything else that you're doing as far as engagement and just presentation, just to make sure that you you to, you keep people there? Because when when you can look at someone in the eyes, you can tell like, all right, they're you know they're checking their phone or they're doing something else. But when someone's sitting at home or they're on their laptop or they're like. I've got this other tab pulled up or I've got ESPN on in the background or I'm kind of paying attention. I'm kind of not. Um, so from, from your standpoint of like trying to keep them engaged, but also balancing the, okay, I'm going to do a poll and I'm going to do chat. I'm going to do Q and a, and I'm trying to like give a presentation, but I'm also trying to like read comments that are coming in to like, that's my equivalent of like people nodding their head or Ooh, or writing something down, things that I can visually see that now I don't have. So how are you kind of balancing, like keeping people engaged, but also like not, not getting too distracted and hung up for yourself trying to present? Yeah, I will. I don't read any of the comments as I'm going. Like okay. there's no way, there's no way I could, it'd be like somebody whispering in your ear while you're giving a keynote live. <laughs> right, right. Like, that's not, or like me reading tweets while I was trying to present. So mm -hmm. I don't, and half the time the chat service isn't even on yet. Like they do it at, they say, Hey, we're going to do Q and A at the end, save your questions. So no, I can't, I mean, and then I try not to look at like the number of participants, like, cause you don't want to watch that go down while you're, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that, that people are literally leaving the room. Yeah. That's not, in the same way that I try not to watch the exit door at a live event. Like yeah. I know that's not helping me perform better for the people that are engaged. Right. Um, I think the thing I like, one thing I do is, I've had clients say, Hey, do you have a resource that we could link to? Do you have a, which is different Like, So they're on their computer and they can click on the thing. So I'll go, Oh yeah, I actually have the first chapter of my book, which has this framework that I just talked through illustrated. So if you go to acuff.me slash do over, they can get a copy of it. And that's, 
that's pretty cool because they're already on their computer where, right. you know, sometimes when you're live, you're like, Hey, take out your phone. Here's the seven steps. And they're like, eh, I'm never going to do any of them where yeah. if they're already watching. So I try to, I try to kind of connect there um, and give them something that is easy for them to do a next step. And I think virtual makes that easier than live. To wrap up, what would you say to the speaker who's going, okay, I know I need to lean into virtual. I know there's a lot of opportunities there. Uh, again, it's just, it's just different. Uh, it's not the same, um, which again is neither here nor there. It just, it is what it is at this point. Uh, but for a speaker who's going, man, I'm, I'm having a, I'm having a hard time just getting there and I'm missing hugs. I'm missing high fives I'm missing people nodding. I'm missing people taking notes and I'm just, I don't, I, I'm not getting there. What, what do you say to that speaker? I'd say we're all there, dude. Like, uh, you know, that's just, that's like, be honest about that. I think we all like, it's not helpful when somebody just goes, no, this is amazing. Like, this is the best thing ever. Like, no, it's not like things are challenging right now. And it's okay to say, like my wife and I had an argument about that um, a couple of weeks ago. Cause she was telling the kids, Hey, the neighborhood pool is not going to be as fun this summer because there's going to be a lot of restrictions. And I was like, it'll be a different kind of fun. And she was like, stop, like, don't rush past, the you know my real feeling to fake positivity like that like I get to say I wish this was different like I get to have that feeling I get to process it and I was like oh you're right so I think to the speaker that feels like that we all feel like that like there's good days there's harder days so I think we're all in it together in that sense um and then I would say like do it to the do it to your best ability like don't think you have to like the problem is you go online and there's like some speaker that has like a 17 person staff and like, uh, like he's get or he or she's giving their speeches with a drone an HD drone while they walk around their house. And you're like, Oh no, like <laughs> I only know how to sit down and like present, like then sit down and present. Like, don't, right. don't think you have to be at that level. Um, because I, I like, I just don't think that's helpful. Um, yeah. so I think, yeah, just eat, like go into it at your speed with what you're good at. Um, and here's what I'd say is the good news. I would even argue that highly produced right now is actually, actually feels tone deaf. This is a time where we're all amateurs and it's okay to be an amateur. Yeah. So like if I feel like it's, it's one of those seasons where it's you in a room, you got one ring light you got off Amazon. Um, you've got, you know, your, your computer elevated high enough where it feels like eye contact. Like you, you know, you can figure out ways to do it. Like for me, one of the game changing things for me with YouTube, I found a teleprompter app. That's awesome. And it like, it's by it's, it, it comes up right next to my camera lens on my iPhone. Yeah. And so now like, cause I'm a terrible, like I'm a better writer than I am a memorizer. Yeah. And, and I was, that's one of the, I could do a whole podcast on that, on recognizing that I was trying to memorize it so that people think I'm a good, I'm like, I'm amazing versus mm-hmm. serve them with the best content. Cause I'd forget content and mm-hmm. I really wouldn't serve them versus going, yeah, I'm going to, I'm like, I'm totally going to find the best teleprompter approach and then be okay with that. Like, I don't know where I thought like, Oh, you have to, I have to memorize three new scripts a week for YouTube, which right. I'm currently making $0 on. Like, wow, that feels like a lot of an investment or I can get an amazing app, like teleprompter that a bunch of smart people are using and I can use it too and go, Oh, okay. So yeah, so ease into the things and and give yourself lots of grace. 
Well, two questions on the teleprompter thing, because I know people are going to ask, uh, one, what's the app? And two, are you, um, whenever you're creating a, uh, something that like a, uh, something that you're going to put on a teleprompter for a video, um, whether that's YouTube or whatever, are you doing bullet points, just kind of some talking points that you're going to riff on? Or are you doing an actual manuscript or what does that look like? So the name of it is teleprompter, um, which is oh, easy. That's great. And it's, yeah, it's, uh, the, you know, it's, but there'll probably be 50 things named that it's a black box with a red camera icon. So you'll okay. know like, okay. Um, so no, I'll do, what I'll do is I'll write out a whole script. If it's something, depending on the video, yeah. I'll kind of, I can take it both ways. Like if it's a story I feel good about, maybe I'll do bullets, but if it's something where I want to make sure that I remember the line pixel by pixel, line by line, or, you know, some, some line, um, I'll write out the whole script, um, and then I'll the, like the app allows you to speed it up, slow it down, change the font size. So I'll have it slow enough that I can riff in the middle of it and still get back on track so yeah. that it doesn't feel like I'm a newscaster and I'm just reading something. Right. But I also don't miss, Oh wait, there was a seventh point that was really the best one. So let me, you know, let me hit that. Like I, yeah. so yeah, so it's kind of a mix, but I, I love it. It's and and it's, and that's another like advantage of doing YouTube virtually. Like, I would never like, there's no live events where you're doing a teleprompter, but yeah. you're able to riff and, and, and do it differently. Where if you're stuck on a digital environment, like especially YouTube and you're filming YouTube in your house, like make it as easy as possible. Like yeah. who's like, you don't need to be a hero. Like nobody mm -hmm. I've yet to see, like prior to using it, no one in my YouTube comments was like, man, I just appreciate that you memorize, you know, like that's what, <laughs> that's what keeps me coming back for this content. And just thanks for memorizing stuff. You're welcome, buddy. You're welcome. <laughs> says that. Uh, all right, man. We appreciate the time. If people want to find out more about you, check out the YouTube channel uh, and all the, the social that you're, you're up to. Where, where can we go? Uh, so YouTube is just youtube.com slash author John Acuff, J-O-N-A-C-U-F-F. -F. Uh, my website is acuff.me. Um, Twitter, John Acuff. Instagram, John Acuff. Um, so yeah, I'm all, I'm all over the place. But definitely go. I would love more subscribers on YouTube. That is, you have to tell people that all the time. Be like, subscribe, mm -hmm. hit, hit the bell, hit the like. And so I'm learning, I'm learning. I'm no hey, Jeff yet, but I'm on my way. We're getting there. Uh, also, are we allowed to talk about you have a new book coming out? No, I mean, like I do, it'll be out next April. Like I can't right, I know it's gonna, I know it's gonna it be a minute. Now. Okay, all yeah. right, we can't, you no, can't get a concept? Yet, not yet. Okay, oh, the right, concept right. is overthinking. So okay. we, the PhD who helps me with my books, he and I asked 10,000 people if they struggle with overthinking and 99.5% of people said yes. And so when you're an author or a speaker and you find a topic that 99% of people struggle with, you go write that book. Yeah. And so we, um, and the, the main premise is that there's a lot of books about overthinking that say, stop doing it, you know, turn it off, stop, stop, stop. And my thought is one, that's impossible. Like I'm going to, like, I think a lot. Like, but yeah. two, what if I could use that as a good thing? What if I yeah. just thought the right things? Why would I ever get rid of that amazing machine? Like right. what would happen if I just fed it with things that actually propelled me forward versus making me stuck? Yeah. And so it's really about learning how to turn overthinking from a super problem into a superpower. Nice. So that'll be out uh, in several months. We'll have you back to talk about yeah, that. We're, we're just floating it. it out there. We're just teasing yeah. the people, yeah, yeah, giving exactly. them breadcrumbs. Yeah, exactly. I love it. I love it. That's so funny. Thanks for the time, John. Yeah, thanks, Grant. All right. There you go, my friends. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with John. Again, I'd encourage you to check out his YouTube channel. Follow him on Instagram. Uh, check him out. Go to acuff.me. Check out all the place, all his books, all the things that John, anything that John 
puts out is absolutely worth paying attention to. And if you have not seen him speak either live or virtually, go check out anything, any presentations he's done. He is a phenomenal, phenomenal communicator and absolutely a speaker to be uh, paying attention to. All right. Uh, hey, also, like I mentioned to you, if you haven't already, pick up the book, The Successful Speaker, Five Steps for Booking Gigs, Getting Paid, Building Your Platform. If you haven't already, go get it. If you have already, make sure that you read it. Make sure you leave us a review on Amazon. We really do appreciate that. And share it with your friends. Find a friend who's interested in, in speaking and say, hey, bud, I thought I was thinking about you. My grand said to give this to you. So here you go. Get them a copy. All right. And thanks for being here. We appreciate it. You're awesome. Catch you next time.